0: Hello, beautiful people, and welcome back to another episode of this week's podcast, BU with Declan Edwards. As always, I'm your host, Declan, and I'm so excited that you're here because on this week's episode of the podcast, I've got the amazing Gabrielle Laurie coming in to speak to us about relationships and sexual health. So, Gabrielle's actually a member of our advisory panel here at BU. We met her recently and was blown away by how much she knew and how much of an expert she was on relationship counseling. So we're very, very lucky to have her in studio so to be sharing her expertise and knowledge on something that is so powerful and so impactful. We always say relationships have such an ability to provide so much joy and love and beauty to our lives or also a hell of a lot of chaos and stress depending on how we approach them. So Gabby's going to share some of her insight on that. It's going to be a really, really uh, life-changing episode. So make sure you tune in. And as always, thank you for being here. Okay, I am here today in BUHQ in our studio with the amazing Gabrielle Laurie, who is the founder of Effective Interactions Relationship Counselling, which operates out of Thrive Wellness Hub here in our home city of Newcastle. And Gabrielle, I wanted to start by saying thank you for coming in and volunteering some of your time today to share your expertise. I'm really excited for what we're going to discuss today.
1: Oh, you're welcome. I'm excited as well.
0: <laughs> Perfect. So for those who don't know you... Um, Tell us a little bit about yourself, like what it is you do, who you help, and I love to find out about the passion behind the story, the passion behind the person, like what led you to get into relationship counselling and why you're so passionate about that space.
1: Uh, I think with all therapists, um, we probably had interesting childhoods ourselves and and so you get a passion for trying to figure out um, what other... What's what's healthy, what's, what may not work as well, especially if you want to have your own kids. Mm. You want to look at those patterns in relationships. So I read psychology books for fun, like growing up as a teenager. Sure. Gotcha. Yeah, and um, yeah, <laughs> a bit boring, but my best friend who studied to be a psychologist at uni, she said, yeah. you know, you just naturally do that. Mm. You have learned as much as me and you haven't studied it. Why don't you get paid for it? So... Yeah, and I decided to um, focus more on sexual health and relationships because Mm. I think that's kind of the last frontier where people have quite a bit of shame or hang-ups or trauma, but it's still a bit taboo to talk about it. Mm. And, And it's so sad when I see couples that have suffered with things that can be easily fixed for 10 or 15 years And it's just because it was taboo in there to talk about in their family. So they haven't got help Mm. until, you know.
0: Yeah, you're spot on with saying that it's taboo. I never thought of that. But it's such, you're right, it's such a common topic when we talk to people. going, oh, how's the marriage going? How's the relationship going? And you see the, (laughs) yeah, really good, through like gritted teeth. (laughs) Everything's great. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but obviously the home life. I mean, we were, before recording, I was looking up the statistics for relationships in Australia and it's 40 to 50% of marriages now end in divorce. Yeah. And that's not saying that the remainder are happy. Like, yeah. That's, yeah, that's not to say 50 to 60% are still together and happy.
1: Exactly. So
0: I think, you know, the concerning part there, obviously being a married man myself and, okay. you know, recently married 18 months ago. And coming from a long line, for me, why I'm very interested in getting you in and learning about this, not only for our listeners, but for myself, is coming from a long line of um, divorces. I think on my dad's side, there's no marriage that's still together. On my mom's side, there's like one or two. Wow. So, you know, looking at what makes that trend, what's that about? Obviously, being a coach, understanding emotional intelligence, I'm hoping that's a bit of a leg up in communication, but I'm, I'm really looking forward to digging into your expertise. And I know that... Even just before recording, you and I spoke about a few of the most common things people come and talk to you about. I think you hit the nail on the head where you said it's such a shame that it's something that's so taboo to talk about that has such an impact on people's lives, positive mm. or negative. Mm. You know, you said at the start, somewhat jokingly, but very true, that relationships can be beautiful, loving, and contribute all this joy to people's lives, but they can be very chaotic and stressful Yeah. depending on how we approach them. We spend a lot of time with our significant other. So... It's a shame that something with so much impact on how we feel is still so taboo, but also it there are definitely definitive things that can be done to improve relationship quality. Oh, yeah. But that first step is, is getting out there and asking for help and saying something about it. Do you find that that's something people struggle with? Like...
1: It's becoming... I mean, years ago when I first started in this, uh, a lot of women would come alone, less men mm. were open to it but um these days a lot of husbands are dragging their wives in and 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 a lot of couples young couples and older couples they're all starting to come in like and because they're just they realize it's not you know they're not alone it's yeah. it's nothing to be ashamed of no one was taught healthy relationship skills at school <laughs> yep. and if you didn't have parents that were like the Brady bunch role modeling for you yep. which hardly anyone did Uh, then where do you get these skills? Mm. So, um, you know, most people who had good parents who are doing the best they can, so it's not their fault. But um, now I think people, you know, they don't want to be stuck in places that maybe poor conflict resolution skills get them stuck in, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, For instance, a lot of people, uh, the most common, kind of relationship issue i see couples for is maybe the demand withdraw cycle uh uh-huh. um, so
0: what of, do you mean by that tell me more about that
1: yeah it's um uh, so everyone when they grew up mm-hmm. uh, in their families you kind of develop conflict resolution styles um as a child <laughs> that may not benefit you as an adult Yeah, gotcha. However, we don't know that that, those neuronal pathways Mm -hmm. are what we revert to Mm. when we get triggered. So the fight, flight or freeze response takes us from our prefrontal lobe, which is like our impulse control and decision-making. And we go into our amygdala and we're flooded with stress hormones and we revert right back to our conflict resolution style that we might have had as a kid, Mm. which might be the silent treatment or it might be to yell and scream and chuck a tantrum or chop vegetables really loudly (laughs) or or slam some cupboards um or shut down and just not give your partner honest answers, just be really ambiguous or you know, and these might have been what you needed as a kid.
0: Yeah, gotcha. To
1: to kind of feel like you had some power communicating with adults, you Mm. know. Um, but When you're in a grown-up relationship with another partner, you've got to kind of remind yourself to come back here Mm -hmm. that you're now a grown-up, you're safe if your partner's healthy, so you need to end that demand-withdrawal cycle. So Mm. the demand person usually wants to resolve a conflict straight away. Yes. And the withdrawal person usually wants to avoid a conflict at all costs.
0: Yeah, gotcha.
1: And often these people get together.
0: Yes, which, of (laughs) course.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, of course. So, however, the problem lies in when both of them think their way is the right way.
0: Yeah, gotcha.
1: So, you know, um, with certain people, it might be a way that works really well. Mm -hmm. Like, you might have two people that like to resolve things straight away and they'll do that, and that's mm. fine. Or you might have two withdraw people who just go quiet for a few days, and they're fine about it. Yep. So, um, however, if, depending on your, any childhood kind of wounds you might have, even from good childhoods, mm. um, a, deban- a demand-style person might have been neglected as a child. Mm. So they that's their survival strategy, speak up or get nothing. Yep. And a withdrawal person might have been kind of criticised a lot as a child. So they hide away behind this Mm. kind of mask. So they feel like people get really triggered when they do this in adult relationships. And all that pain from their childhood comes back when they do that to each other because it feels like it's happening again. Mm. But it's not happening again. Your partner doesn't understand that that's what has made your overreaction of emotions.
0: Yeah, gotcha.
1: Come. So whenever we have an overreaction, it's usually from our past. Yep. And mindfulness, meditation, all those things, exercise, helps us stay more present and go, oh, okay, I can see what's happening. Or
0: Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. So you mentioned that you find that these people with different processing styles or different conflict yeah. resolution styles tend to end up together. It's something we've noticed a lot in our coaching. Yes. <laughs>
1: The opposites say attract. opposites attract, yeah, right? Yeah, as cliche yeah, yeah. as it
0: is, it seems to be the case. And I've yeah. always thought, well, perhaps there was an evolutionary benefit to that. Having people with different processing cells would be able to be more adaptable to the environment, yeah. so more likely to pass on their genes. So, yeah. you know, there may be something evolutionary in it. There may just be literally the case of we want what we don't have. Yeah. Do you find that that in itself, because I've always said to people, relationships bring this interesting dynamic to people's lives and i reflect this myself a lot with my relationship and that dynamic is this um it's a chaos because it's so different between how my wife for example approaches situations perceives things thinks about things and how i do and that difference that chaos can be beautiful and a source of learning and a source of appreciation and love and gratitude Or it can be, as you mentioned, that case of, well, hang on, my way's right, your way's wrong. Yes. And we get conflict from that. Do you find that that happens a lot in relationships, that there's these two opposite approaches to things? And it's when we get firmly set in this belief that our way is right. Yes. That's what leads to a lot of conflicts.
1: You've hit the nail on the head. Mm. Like, a healthy relationship still has the same problems, the same differences, However, they respect each other's differences, mm. and they try to show compassion to each other's different ways of doing things.
0: Yeah,
1: um, in a relationship that's a bit unhealthy and not working, it's usually when partners think their way is the right way, and anything different that their partner does is wrong or selfish or lazy or greedy or, you know. So if you have that internal belief about your partner whenever they do something different, mm. you're never going to. They're never going to feel respected. They're just going to feel defensive, and you'll be either end up withdrawing and just feeling like flatmates running a childcare centre, or remember <laughs> <laughs> that before. That's a great
0: saying. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Well, it, it's yeah. So therapy helps them get on the same page and yeah. respect each other's differences. Um, for instance, I had a couple once where, um. Let's call her Mary. Mm -hmm. She liked saving for a rainy day. Let's call him Bob. Mm -hmm. He was... uh, Spent a lot Mm -hmm. of money. Um, So... But Mary judged him as being careless. Mm. um, And Bob judged Mary as being stingy. Yep. So when they were judging each other like that, they just got more and more defensive and more and more in their own corners.
0: Yeah, gotcha.
1: So I was able to help them value each other's differences. Yep. And... In the end, Bob came to see that uh, Mary saving for a rainy day was really good for their family. Yep. And Mary came to see that Bob being so generous with money was what she was attracted to him yeah. in the first place. He, he wants to help everyone else. So they're beautiful traits to have. Yeah. And if they can balance them and work as a team, mm. then it's amazing. You watch them fall in love again. So
0: yeah, I think yeah. you've captured that really well, that at its core and at its essence, a good relationship is is teamwork. Yeah, It's bringing these two individuals with different skill sets, different limitations, you know, different life stories and going, how do we make this work together in a way that we can both learn from? I know um, yes. a very early thing that my wife was startled by, which in, in hindsight I could have done with more tact, but I remember saying <laughs> to her very early on when we started dating, I don't need you in my life and waited for a second which was, i realized that was the worst time to pause but yeah i'm <laughs> just starting to see someone um to any women listening to this podcast don't judge me too harshly for that because i followed up with going i don't need you to for me to be happy i don't need you for me to enjoy life but i'm choosing to have you in my life because i think you bring something to it that i really love and respect and i think that power of choice is so much more beneficial do you find that
1: Absolutely. People
0: get too caught up. I think there's a great Whoopi Goldberg book she wrote called If a Man Says You Complete Him, Run The Other Way. Um,
1: I think that's great. Yeah. So yeah.
0: I wanted to get your thoughts on this idea of being... Of, of needing someone, of, of having your self-esteem and your happiness based on your partners. Because I see a lot of couples get stuck in that trap.
1: I, I um, do too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I would agree, like, that a lot of partners believe it's their partner's uh, role to make them happy. Yes. And then they get very angry when their partner doesn't do what they want. And commonly, they bring their partner in to be fixed. Yep. Lots of men and women bring their partner in to therapy Uh saying, fix them and I'll be happy.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And we'll be be fine. Oh, man.
1: (laughs) And really, the only way anyone will ever be happy is if you... If you find ways of meeting your own needs most of the time and you can make requests of your partner, but not requests disguised as demands. Yeah. A lot of people think they have a right to have expectations of their partner. You should do A, B, C and D because that's how I was brought up. That's the right way. And if you don't do them, that means you don't love me. And then I'm allowed to disrespect you. I'm allowed Mm. to be rude or shout or call your names if you don't do what I want.
0: Because it means you don't love me. So. Yeah. And do you think part of that comes from this, how we're presented in the media, what relationships are? I oh, mean, I see totally. when we look in the media, we've got two options for relationships, from yeah. what I see. We've got the really chaotic, detrimental, yeah. terrible one that we yeah. see a lot of the celebrities having in the yeah. news. Or the other side is we have the Disney relationship oh. that's I lose sense of myself entirely in it. I'm no longer an individual person, I'm fully in this relationship. You know, you are what makes me complete and happy.
1: Absolutely. And there's no
0: middle ground. <laughs> when yeah. in reality, that's where the most beautiful and beneficial relationships I've found. Ah, yeah. they're not the Disney. They're not the celebrity. Yeah. I know you and I spoke at the start about this idea of expectations about yeah relationships, sex, about yeah. all of this, uh, intimacy, what it means. Yeah. Well, give me your thoughts on that. Like how expectations...
1: Oh, they ruin relationships. Yeah. yeah. They totally do. And you're you're really correct in saying that a lot of our media what we've been raised on the love songs and the and the you know the disney movies and the other movies like and porn like Mm. just people come in with the most unrealistic expectations Mm. on their partners and and really feel hard done by when often they're just uh they're not understanding even their biological differences. Like yeah. um, a common one in sex is that a lot of men and women will come in um, with mis- mismatched libidos. Uh-huh. Commonly the man's is higher and the woman's is lower, but not always the case. Yeah. There are a lot of women who are wanting more sex. But um, commonly the woman will feel like she's abnormal, like mm. that you know, there's something wrong with her because she doesn't want sex as much as a man and the man will feel like, you know, he's being rejected or mm. she's withholding on purpose or, you know, but deep down she wants it as much, but she's just not caring about him mm. or... However, um, after the honeymoon period, which is the uh, first six months to two years max usually, mm. uh... That's where their libidos might match, men and women's. But after that, they'll relax back into their regular libido. Mm -hmm. And then if you're throwing kids and work and all that on top of it, or any illness or medications, you know, they'll go even lower. Mm. Um, But uh, commonly, in a long-term relationship, women sometimes are waiting to get in the mood for sex. Mm. And... They may never get in the mood because a woman's body uh, feels aroused halfway through the foreplay. Mm-hmm. They don't have that testosterone kind of push. Mm. You know, if they see their partner in short shorts, they're not suddenly ready. Yeah. It's not like a what testosterone does for a guy. Yeah, gotcha. <laughs> so I have to explain to women that it's, you know, you look at other ways that it might be healing or beneficial for you. It's really healthy affection, Mm. um, skin-to-skin contact. Um, And I help men understand that women aren't doing it on purpose, Mm. that, you know, a lot of men are waiting for their wives to initiate, saying, well, she never initiates, and feeling really hurt and rejected. Mm. But uh, they don't understand that it's not that she's deliberately doing it. There's just no... Her body doesn't go, hey, like... You know, we, we, women love sex as well, Mm. but our bodies are very different. Mm. (laughs) And once they understand that, like if you look at same sex relationships, Uh um, again, you can't generalize, but Mm -hmm. I've worked with a lot of same sex couples Mm. and, um, a lot of uh, gay men have lots of sex, Mm. you know, every day, twice a day, once Mm -hmm. a week. Oh, sorry. And they might invite others once a week, you Mm. know. Or then you've got same-sex women couples. Mm. And they can be really happy just cuddling for six months. Mm. And talking and things like that. And then you will have same-sex women couples that have a lot of sex. But either way, neither one is wrong. Mm. But, you know, it's not that we're just built differently, you know. And there's things they can do to spice things up. Mm -hmm. Um, so commonly a lot of couples want to bring back that, ignite that passion again. Yeah, that spark, that thing. Yeah, yeah, that they initially had. And, um, it's, your relationship becomes a deeper form of conscious loving, Mm. you know. Some of that spark from the initial um, meeting was from the unknown
0: Mm. and
1: comes from projecting fantasies onto each other.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, um... So it's a bit of an illusion as well, mm-hmm. and because you're not secure yet, you know, will they call? Won't they? Yeah. You know. Uh, but then, in long-term relationship, you have a new, beautiful kind of sex mm. that's more about conscious loving. That's when you can start doing tantric sex or mm-hmm. slow sex by Diana Richardson or mm. things that where you don't have to wait till you're in the mood or um, perform like you're in a porn movie. Or yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's more about loving touch Mm. yeah and I mean couples know you can do things to make it more unpredictable and things Mm. like that so
0: yeah definitely and it's something that you know I know we spoke about before recording today was this idea of bringing back that spark or that thing whatever it was and I know another thing that we spoke about that you said is really common these days is figuring out how to make not only sex but also investing in the relationship as a whole a priority in terms of like work-life kids, everything that goes on, we've got a finite amount of time. I know I was reading something the other day which blew my mind because I was not expecting it. Apparently millennials, which is um, the generation after me, so I'm Gen Y, but this newest generation, uh, they're having the less the least amount of sex out of every generation before them. Which I never would have picked. I was like, no way. Like I thought we were the, you know, rabid ones. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> For yeah. all time. Especially, you know, I've been you know in a loving relationship now for five and a years so I've missed the whole tinder thing but for me I was like yeah surely tinder's boosting apparently that's not the case and what they're starting to find is these young working professionals these um even you know singles but also in relationships or these young parents and families sex is slipping down the priorities list in terms they just especially I know we spoke about work now becoming more digital so they're taking work home with them and it seems like relationships and sex are now becoming the last thing on, on people's minds, which in and of itself creates you know, issues within within the relationship. How do you help people make that a, pri- a priority? Because I say it all the time. We regularly teach people there's no such thing as time management. Time management is an absolute lie. You can't control time. It's priority management. It's what are you prioritizing with the time you have? Absolutely. So how do you help people reinvest themselves their energy their efforts their time back into the relationship and make it matter again especially when there's so many other demanding factors like their work and you remember when young kids come along it adds a whole new level of complexity
1: yes absolutely um i would say this is the most common thing that people come in for is Mm. that especially after they have kids they're Mm. so exhausted and so overwhelmed by their responsibilities that Definitely, sex goes out the window. Even role modeling healthy relationship skills or loving, loving affection mm. for their kids, you know, goes out the window. Like everyone's just wants to zone out, like and rest. <laughs> mm. Just trying to get by, right? Yeah, just trying to get by. I mean, I've had quite a number of women don't practice self care because they think it's selfish, and they look forward to going to hospital as a holiday. Wow, and and it's just, uh, it's such a shame that um, this is the way our society's heading a little bit. Mm. Some people are making changes, really seeing that, you know, our fast pace kind of... Yeah, harder, better, stronger life. Yeah, 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 is, is really detrimental to our health. Um, possibly the Finnish and the Swedish and Norwegians have a better life balance. They've yeah. got... Uh, and apparently I've watched in a documentary in Finland um they're having lots of sex yeah, they're sure. they're a very uh uh society based on equality yep um the women feel safe to have as much sex as they want yep. with partners, so guys are happy yep. <laughs> um again, you can't generalize but uh for couples living in Australia, I suppose. The first place I start them with is looking at the languages of love, which is a really good mm. tool. It helps them kind of understand that the way people exhaust themselves trying to love their partner in different ways that aren't actually what their partner needs. Yes. And then they and then they feel like, "Oh, well, nothing I ever do is good enough. I'm just going to give up." Yeah. So then they might become workaholics and spend too much time at work, or they just invest all their love in the kids. Mm. But when they learn that, you know, uh, you might just be speaking Japanese and the, your partner might be speaking German and that's what your love language needs to be. You need to learn their love language.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and then it's amazing how less irritable and sad and tired um, partners feel once they're just getting their love language. So mm. we get them to just practice baby steps in each other's love language every week. And everything else kind of just becomes easy. Conflict resolution becomes mm. easier because they're on that cushion of goodwill. They feel loved. That's you can the actually main...
0: understand each other yeah. as well. And I can, yeah. The reason I'm seeing you smiling is uh, about six months before my wife and I got married. We went yeah. through a, quite a bit of a rough patch where we were think almost got to the point where we were like umming and ahhing about the way we were fighting more and more often. man, I don't know what's going on here. And it was funny that you mentioned that honeymoon period being six months to two years, because this was we got engaged after two and a half years, I think. So this would have been maybe a year and a bit past the honeymoon period, so it's had enough time to get a bit rocky. And um, I remember I was working with one of my coaches at the time. I was like, I just don't get it. Like, I'm, I'm showing her all this love, and it seems like it's just going straight over her head. And he introduced this idea of love languages to me and spoke through it, and yeah, it became very apparent that um my wife gave and received love in a very different way that I gave and received love. She's yeah. very physical touch. I'm very words of affirmation and and conversation.
1: Yes. Is
0: like deep conversation is how I express and receive love. Yes. And neither of us understood that about each other. So we spent years just Loving bypassing each, each other, other.
1: In the wrong love. Language. Yeah. And as soon
0: <laughs> as that it was almost this light bulb, moment. I remember it so clearly because I got off the coaching session with him, called my wife, it was like, hey, just thought about these love language things. Yeah. Like, you and I got to talk. And we had a chat, sort of explored it with each other. And we both had this clicking moment where we went, Oh my God, I can suddenly see how much you show me love. Yes. And I'd never seen that until yes. now. And it was this deep sense of appreciation of, She's been showing me love for ages now. I just hadn't seen it. And vice yes. versa. Yeah. And it's, as you mentioned, the game for us was then, Okay, how do we learn to, you know, still receive love the way we want to, and and teach that to each other, but also give the other person love in the way that they want to receive it and oh, okay. and play in their love language and it was we made a bit of a game out of it like how often yeah. can we try and show each other love in a different way or a way that you know they'll understand and it honestly I can say from the of my hearts like saved our marriage it was yeah. phenomenal it's something that we yeah. still practice today yeah. um what are just so people know so they know it's not literally German and Japanese that we're talking about here yeah what are some of the like love languages that we're referring to when we talk about these
1: okay so um there there's five love languages Mm -hmm. um that we commonly use Mm -hmm. um there's a book on it which is a great book i can't remember the author's name at the moment but he's really good or um so the there's gifts there's words of affirmation quality time physical touch and acts of service Mm. um and i just want to add that when you learn your partner's love language and you practice giving that to them it's far less exhausting than doing a hundred things that you think are the right things yeah this yeah. is much less energy and time yeah <laughs> and it's not
0: just feel good for them but I noticed within myself I felt better yes because I liked her feeling loved it was that sort yeah. of rebound effect like oh, it was she's happy that makes me happy now we're both happy yes. and it was just this cycle whereas before it was she's frustrated and I'm frustrated so now it's snowballing frustration (laughs)
1: exactly exactly and and um and it's important to respect each other's different love languages Mm. some couples kind of um struggle with that at times I know my partner and I have he's his acts of service Mm -hmm. and mine's quality time Mm -hmm. and in the beginning I think quality time to him looked like a waste of time like yep. frivolous when we could be doing all these jobs
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> yep
1: and that was his love language and i had to learn to appreciate that mm. you know he's loving me a lot by doing all these jobs all the time yep and um he's understood that you know yep. coming for a bike ride with me or to an event with me and having a deep conversation with me like I'll be so much sweeter <laughs> mm. <laughs> <laughs> to be around.
0: <laughs> it's better for everyone. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's better for everyone.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but, yeah, the five love languages is great tools. Mm. Um did you want me to elaborate more on them or I can
0: tell you yeah. some other stuff? Well, what do you... I was about to say, because I think well, we could talk to you for ages about this. Like I am going, I just checked. I was like, how long have we got left? Because yeah. I could talk to you about this for hours and we're going to have to get you on the podcast again okay. um, for another season. I to go even deeper into this because um, I think it's amazing. I think it's something that is definitely valuable and needed. It's obviously why we asked you to be on our advisory panel and to help out with what we do because we see so much value in, in your knowledge and in, in this space.
1: Thank
0: you. So... As much as I would love to go deeper, I, I am aware of time. So I will ask though, every guest expert we have come on, I say if you could just give three tips to people that would make the difference. Like three things that people could start with that you went, these three things are the best practices, or maybe not the best, but some practices that you can get into that are going to help provide a fulfilling, loving, you know, enjoyable relationship rather than one that's, you know dysfunctional or full of stress and resentment and, and misunderstandings, what would those three things be? If the people listening and they're like, oh, this has resonated with me so much, what three things could they sort of start doing within themselves and their relationship?
1: Okay. So I would say n- number one, learn each other's love languages mm. and start giving it. Um, uh, number two is... It's really easy to take each other for granted it's really Mm. easy to ignore your partners um, hints or requests for love Mm -hmm. and I get a lot of couples unfortunately coming in when it's too little too late
0: yeah I was gonna ask that if people tend to be a bit reactive in this space rather than proactive
1: yeah so a lot of people are so focused on like for instance um, I think a lot of men still feel like their main, most important role is being the provider. Mm. And that's a beautiful gift to their family and their children. Mm. However, if they've got blinkers on and they think, well, yep, I'm doing my role, I'm doing a good job, you know, I'm providing for the family, and their their partner is making, like trying to say to them, I'm lonely, Mm. I'm stuck with the kids all day, I need us to go out together and that's not made a priority, mm. then sadly a lot of couples, you know, end up breaking up. Yep. You've got to really take your partner's needs seriously and mm-hmm. hold them equally to your own, whether mm. they make sense to you or not. Um, and another thing is there's some really good tools by Dr. Marshall Rosenberg called... Uh, Nonviolent communication skills mm-hmm. and they really help people learn to resolve uh, an argument mm. by connecting heart to heart instead of the old way we were taught to resolve conflict is to battle out who's most right who's wrong who's better who's worse who's mm. good who's bad
0: yeah there was always a winner and a loser yeah. in conflict
1: yeah and yep. and two intelligent people in a relationship can do that for hours if not <laughs> days years whatever so yep. uh instead this helps them understand the feelings and needs of each other beneath this and hold them equally mm. even if they disagree and a win-win solution arises it's quite ama- amazing so
0: yeah, because I think there's this misconcept that the best relationships don't have conflict when really oh. the best relationships are the ones that have the conflict and yeah. then learn how to grow together from that conflict.
1: Absolutely, clean and it up in a healthy way.
0: Yes, Yes. so such good tips. Just to summarize for people listening, um, three absolutely amazing tips there from, from Gabrielle. One being to find out each other's, yours and your partner's love languages and practice speaking to each other in those ways and, and conveying love in those ways. Um, the second being to understand and appreciate each other's needs and, and differences i love that idea of you mentioning you know even if it doesn't make sense to you just appreciating it and yeah and, and valuing it seeing it as equal yes. i think is such a powerful thing yeah and then that third one really learning that non-violent heart-to-heart approach to conflict resolution because it is so true that you know relationships do part and parcel have conflict yes. it's learning how do we grow from those together and work through them together yes um honestly i cannot thank you enough for coming in today and, sharing all of this. I know that what we're talking about today is going to be so valuable and so many people who are going to be listening to it um, are going to have gained so much from listening. If there are people listening who are like, yep, this is something I want to learn more about, I want to go deeper into, and they've really resonated with you, how can they reach out and contact you and get to know more? About working with you and learning from you because I know you're an absolute expert in your field. So
1: oh thank you. Um, if they want to book a session with me, mm-hmm. I'm at Thrive Wellness Hub, mm-hmm. which is uh 22 Brunca Road, Broadmeadow. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can contact me on 0424074609. Mm-hmm. Um, they can text me uh, and make a booking. Otherwise, I do workshops now and again. Um, and we're doing a retreat soon. We haven't fixed the date yet, but yeah, if they contact me, I can tell them more.
0: Beautiful. Well, once again, thank you so much for coming in. I really do appreciate it, and we're definitely going to have you back on the podcast another time, and I'm sure we're going to be seeing a lot of each other.
1: Excellent. Thanks, Declan.
0: You know, it never ceases to amaze me the quality of people that we have locally who are willing to come in and... Share their expertise and their guidance on such valuable topics. I don't know about you guys, but I know I gained so much from listening to Gabrielle speak today on relationships and sex. And I said so many times throughout the podcast, but I'll say it again. It's such an important topic. It's such an important thing that shouldn't be taboo. We should be talking about this openly. So, as always, I trust that you guys got a lot of value out of this. If you have any questions for myself Or for Gabrielle, make sure you message them through Gabrielle's contact details. She mentioned them right at the end of the interview. But also, if you want to contact us directly, ask any questions, suggest topics for future podcast episodes, you can email grow, that is G-R-O-W, at bucoaching.org. Or you can check out our website and book in a complimentary consultation call with one of our team if you're interested in learning more about our confidence and purpose coaching program. So that's heading to www.bucoaching.org clicking the contact us button, booking a complimentary call with one of our team members, one of our amazing coaches. Until next week, as always though, be empowered, be exceptional, be you.